Welcome to episode 149 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Bryn Jackson. This episode, we hung out with Melanie Arujo, who I actually met at one of the Wayno Happy Hours. We had an awesome conversation, so I knew she'd be great on the show. She's actually been on the Techies Project, and she's been working on a bunch of cool projects for designers and developers. Melanie is an awesome designer with a great background, and we're going to let her tell you that story uh, in just a minute. Before we get into the episode, we just wanted to give a quick update on some of the things we're doing at SPEC. Uh, We're trying to be a little more transparent with the way that we're building our projects, our podcasts, our events, some upcoming features. And so we've thrown a lot of stuff on our GitHub and we want to open source a lot of the things we're building. We've started with our code of conduct, which applies to our Slack team with over 5,000 people and just the way we handle uh, business in general at Spec. And that's gonna carry forward to any events we do and building Spectrum, which is another thing we've open sourced, which is going to be our community hub because we're kind of outgrowing our Slack team. Apparently there's a limit of like 8,000 people in a Slack team and we are rapidly advancing past 5,000. So there's only so long that that can last for us. If you wanna just follow along or participate or give us feedback and and comment on some of the things we're building, check out our GitHub, uh, github.com slash specfm is where we've shared two projects right now. We're going to be sharing more soon, uh, but we really want this to be a lot more transparent into how and why we are doing the things we do. So for designers, GitHub can be a little bit intimidating, but we're also doing all the design work in the open uh, via Figma. So it'll have links on the repos for the Figma projects, and you can just go join up there. Anyone in our Slack team has access. So you just sign in with Slack, select our Slack team, and you're in. That URL again is github.com slash specfm definitely hit us up if you have feedback or questions uh, we'd love to to chat and if you're interested in getting involved this is the best way to do it cool uh that's the update let's get into this awesome super fun episode with melanie arusha hey guys and ladies um my name's melanie and i am the founder of an organization called front and center and i'm also a freelance designer in San Francisco. Cool. Here's a kicker. Um, I'm probably introducing myself like this because I think I need to have this prepared answer when I really should just be myself. And the guys are looking at me in the room being like, yeah. <laughs> Where are you going? So who are you really? Um, okay, who am I really? If uh, you were to ask my friends, I think they would probably tell you that I'm really silly and um, I'm always doing things for people. Um and I don't do enough things for myself. Um, and I like having fun. I like laughing. I like talking about serious stuff. But um, yeah, I am your typical urban night person. Like um, Urban night person. Is that urban night? Is I saying that right? Cause oh, urban I, night. Urban night? Oh, see? Oh, that's another ur- thing too. Urban oh, yeah. night. Oh yeah, see this, this second voice? <laughs> I have multiple people living inside me that will come out during the, the show because I Should like Should be to- a party. Yeah, exactly. It'll be a party. Um, so one of the, another thing too is like I have like this um, maybe because I should have paid more attention in school when, during English classes and stop goofing around. So like I have pronunciation issues, uh, sentence structures issues. Like I'm an adult and I'm still teaching myself grammar um, because I, f- I thought that I knew how to speak English very, very well because... We all my, do, don't we? No, but it's like, it's, <laughs> yeah, but it's like, it's my high school where I went to. I mean, like, I spoke English, and not to throw shade on anybody, I spoke English, like, pretty well there. Like, you know, and I was like, I got this stuff. I ain't got to practice this. I got it. And then I went, I graduated <laughs> from college, and they were like, uh, excuse me. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I mumble a lot, 
and I'd make weird mouth noises where I go, uh. Okay. That makes me feel better. Bryn has his own quirks. I just interrupt everyone. He just interrupts um, people. <laughs> then you fit perfectly in my family. Anyway, <laughs> what are you working on right now? Um, right now I am uh actually working on myself and um and what that means. That's not an answer we've ever had before. Oh really? So what does it mean? <laughs> Um, that means designing my most truest, truest self, um, being happy with the person that I am and being comfortable with the idea that I'm not fully there yet. And there's still a lot for me to grow and learn from, um, and collecting saying, well, not collecting, saying yes to more experiences rather than being like super freaked out when an opportunity falls my way. And then I'm like, Oh my God, I don't know if I can do this. Um, yeah, so that is one of my projects. I think self-awareness is incredibly challenging, but is yeah. a sign of a good designer. Oh, thank you. It's highly valuable. I think it's, it's what hard. most people look for when they are looking at designers. Like, is this person aware of what they're good at, what they need to be working on? Yeah, but sometimes that's also really scary because it's hard to kind of figure out what's the noise and the signal, right? right? Because... So, you don't know what it is if people are telling you like really um, politically correct answers and rather than just tell you like answers that you need to make you better as a designer. Well, I'm curious how you're approaching it for yourself. Yeah. So the first thing is probably not doing the things that I hate doing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> funny. Like, oh, are you here with us again? <laughs> um, no, 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 not like that. I mean, like, it takes, I have really curly hair and I normally wear my hair um, straight. And I did that for a long time. Like, f as soon as like 14, I go to the hair salon, I was in there. Okay. Um, and so I <laughs> always wear my hair curl, like straight, like bone straight. Like, I mean, like I have my whole routine down. Like when I was in college, I would do girls' hair and that's how I made money. Like, oh, you want it? You need a blowout it's to go to that party? Come and Melly's going to got you. I got you. So I'm like <laughs> blow drying their hair and, and straighten it. But anyways, that's not the point. The point is um, where my hair curly, it takes me, it's like the process to get my hair straight, quote unquote straight, like flat ironed um, or more Euro looking, um, takes about like two hours. I'm not even kidding you. Like takes about two hours. And now that my hair is curly, I just get out of the shower, wet it and forget it, and it air dries, and then I put up these pins, <laughs> and I'm just and like, it. yeah, and I love it, because it saves me like an hour and a half to do the things that I want to do. That's what Brian does with his curly hair, too. <laughs> I, uh, wet it and forget it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually did have a period where I straightened my hair. That was a rough patch. I've always been curious what I'd look like with straight hair. Don't do it. Don't don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Your curls are awesome, and it makes you who you are, and Thank I think it makes you. you more interesting. I had the longest hair in college, and I would straighten it, thing. and that was a mistake. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you shouldn't have that. Um, I find it to be pretty hard to be like honest with myself yeah. about what I'm bad at. Mm. Do you want me to tell you? <laughs> And I think, well, that's important, I think, is to get feedback from someone who will actually fucking tell you. Yeah. Because most of the time, people won't tell you. Like, in the workplace, it's usually related to your career, your like right. progression as a designer. And then among friends, like, 
I think it takes a pretty unique kind of person to be like really straight up with mm. you about what you mm-hmm. fuck up at and mm-hmm. what you should be better at. But there's a way to phrase that in a constructive way as well, right? There like, is. You don't have to be an asshole to tell someone how you, like where their weak points are. Right. And I, I, I agree with you. And I also want to just kind of like paint it from my lens and my point of view. Perfect. Um, Do it. You know, <laughs> the world doesn't give a fuck how I think about um, I, how I take feedback. So it's kind of crazy because like for me, I've always had feedback in the rawest real form, like direct. Um, and that's largely because of like, you know, you get that in form of like your parents tell you that, your school, your teachers tell you that statistics tell you that and then sometimes employers um, can be that way towards you and they don't care about your feelings when they give you those feedback and so I've just had to learn to be tough and um, yeah I've just learned to be really really tough about that but but I, it still sucks to get you know feedback in that format because I don't want to get my feelings hurt in the way um, so I think about that too and um, and I think that I should be deserving of that feedback that's going to help me to be a better designer than one that's going to um, make me question my identity and like, damn, do I really suck at this? Like, maybe I should just shouldn't do this thing anymore. Um, or is it that I'm just not good at this today, but doesn't mean I can't be good at it from six months or a year from now? Um, or maybe it's just this problem. Like, it can be more isolated than that too, right? Right, right, right. This you, problem is a good fit for my skill set. Do you think there's a danger in identifying, like, in your core that you are a designer? Danger in how so? Because I'm going to ask you to define danger because it could be... If if you value yourself and think of your person as being a designer and then someday you don't want to be doing design things, well, I, I imagine yeah. that would be a pretty... <laughs> yeah. This is the thing I just encountered. <laughs> yeah. I'm no longer technically a designer. I'm a designer advocate. How yeah, does that feel? Well, well, I still do design work, which is pretty cool. <laughs> so you're cheating. You're still a designer. But my role isn't product design. Yeah. I'm not working on the Figma tool. Mm-hmm. Was that an identity crisis? Yeah. It huh. straight up was. It was super stressful. But only because, like, from my perspective, okay, so the first time... Uh, Dylan, the CEO of Figma, brought up this role to me. He's like, what would you think about not doing a straight-up design role? Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, what do you have in mind? And he's like, well, what about like heading up design education? And I was like, well, that fits how I think of myself a lot. Orthogonal. Now on spec. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it fits very closely. But when it came down to it, what, what it really was, what the role really is, is a community role. And when I think about community, I think someone who's managing the Twitter account. Mm-hmm. That's not what I do. Mm-hmm. What I do is build tools for the community. Mm-hmm. And now I'm okay with it again. Like it, it took mm-hmm. a little transition there, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. I've been worried about how that builds up over a long period of time. Yeah. Like I look at people that are in their 30s and 40s and 50s and they start entirely different careers. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, fuck, if, if I keep ingraining that I'm a designer, designer, designer for the next decade and then I want to do something else... Like what kind of opportunities yeah. would, would you shut yourself out from if, I don't know. So anyways, well, yeah, what's your I perspective? Think, I think when you don't give, I think there's a couple of things. So first give yourself the permission to try as many different hats and as different, as many different identities as you want. 
Um, I don't think di- uh, identity is a stagnant thing. I think it's dynamic. I think it's fluid. I think some days you can be this, next days you can be that, and you should be allowed and be free to explore that because I haven't always been a designer. My, my background's in neuroscience, but before that, I wanted to be a forensics uh, typographer, like kind of the hand, like a person that would um, look at signatures, right? And study them like, yeah, he committed the crime, get him. Or she committed the crime, get her. Um, and so, and then before that, I wanted to be a set and exhibit designer. And then way before that, I wanted to do like, uh, be a doctor, right? And so I think, it's been it when I was younger, it was easier to take those different identities, right? And be comfortable with wearing different hats. But something happens when we become aware of our environment and our place in the world. And then we're like, no, I have to be this. And this is this one thing. And if yeah. I'm not this one thing, then all hell is breaking loose. And I don't <laughs> okay. have it together. Right? So the way you phrase that is I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a forensic typographer. I wanted mm-hmm. to be whatever. Should be like, I want to be a, a Melanie who works as a doctor. Like, is that I, the, yeah. is I want to the, do doctor things. <laughs> yeah, I want to do doctor things. I want to doctor people, <laughs> right? Yeah, I think it's be another perspective. Yeah, I think um, not any, not identifying as your work. Not exactly not identifying as your work, but this all comes back to this idea of truth. What does truth mean? What is factual? What is real? What is not real? Um, I think job titles and the type of work that we do should offer some insight into that being that you're designing things. So why can't you just design your career? Mm-hmm. Like you're actually not even your career. I'm going to take a, 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 another step back. Why can't you just design your life? And it sounds like that's what you're working on right now. Exactly. Right. And so right now the hat that fits for me is um, being a designer of things, whether it's digital, whether it's experience, whether it's for conversations, just designing those things because I think the world needs those type of things in them. Can we start at the beginning? Sure. Where are um, you from? Okay. Well, I'm from Somerville, Massachusetts, um, which is now the coolest neighborhood in um, Boston. I kid you not. It's like gentrification central. Um, those is not to put a Debbie Downer on it, but um, where I grew up was at the time, Somerville was uh, a low income working class immigrant family. So everyone that was in there was like pretty much an uh, uh, immigrant to the US. So nobody's parents spoke perfect English. So we, that meant we could do like get away with a lot of things. Um, I went By to, speaking English? Huh? By speaking English, you could get away with things? Is that what you mean? By speaking English and by knowing the American culture. Like knowing what uh, our rights were here, like at least rights in the sense of no mom and dad, I can demand this because this is how Americans do this. So I need to get Valentine's Day cards because (laughs) the other kids are able to do that and I have to bring it to school and I don't want to be left out. Um, So things like that. So kind of uh, those things that we had advantage over our parents. Um, So just, I guess, some knowledge in that sense. Um, I went to Catholic school my entire life. Um, up until college. And that was an interesting experience because the first, you know, the first few years, I guess when I was really, really young, um, I was just kind of free in myself in the classroom. Um, I was free to dream and explore. Um, I was really into graffiti and bubble letters. I know. Who wasn't into bubble letters though? (laughs) 
Um, graffiti is unique, but bubble yeah. letters. I wanted to be a graffiti artist. So I bad. know, and that's actually how I uh, started this whole thing. Um, and I used to make tissue paper art. Oh my gosh, they were so amazing! And it was like I loved tissue paper art, and I was like, "Look at this 3D thing I can make for you, and you could touch it." Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they had science fair projects, so a lot of those maker stuff. Um, and I had to come up with the solution and the idea because my parents couldn't help me, and to expect them to help me, you know, make a volcano, um, they didn't know what it was, and they, they're like, "Well, we know what a volcano is because there's one on our, on our island, but we don't know how to execute the idea." Um, and so that I was really, I loved that experience. I got to build stuff. Um, Did you mention already where your parents are from? No, my parents are from uh, a small island called the Cape Verde Islands. Um, it's, they always leave it out on the map. <laughs> and I'm always like, Cape Verde's right here. It's right here. <laughs> Just put it on the damn map. Mm-hmm. We have Google Earth. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, well, it we exists. have it now on Google. Well, Google Earth, yes. But like when they used to yeah, print yeah, yeah. out world maps in high yeah. schools and like, you know, the maps that they mm-hmm. have on the walls, my cousins and I would go up and be like, see, they ain't got Cape Verde on there. Let's drive, draw it in. So we'd like draw in all the islands. Um, and um, I don't yeah. want to draw more it's attention in Africa. than it deserves, but like, did that change your perspective? Like oh, not yeah, seeing I mean, where you fucking grow up on a world map? marginalized well, at a world scale yeah it, it, it actually made me much more proud of who i my identity and who and where i came from i should say that um because it was like a pride thing like cape verians we rep our like our identity hardcore like you know um and i just came recently into some you know after reading some books um over the past few years kind of just rediscovering myself that it's actually false to think like that to say that um you know I'm black, but I'm also I also have this roots because it's unfair when you think of um, some people just don't know where they come from, and that's because of this country's history. Um, and so, to we could be oppressing others without really being aware of that. But I also never felt really comfortable wearing entirely the identity uh, of um, an African American because we share I share different experiences. They they had the American component, and I had an African household that we grew up in, so different cultures, but. At one point, you realize that no one really sees that other identity that you're trying so hard to rep, to mask the one that you're not quite comfortable with carrying. So, yeah, now I talk a little bit. Now I'm able to say, yes, I'm Kate Vernian, and I don't rep it so much. I actually, um, and I still do in some ways, but um, now I'm more comfortable calling myself a black woman because I'm well aware that that is what I am. And um, and that is also what people see before they see the designer part. Even though I, you know, I can tell them I'm a designer, they still see yes and this. And I'm like, no, I'm just this this thing. But um, yeah, it's been an interesting experience. And um, I was and I was aware of that more so in college, because up until then I went to predominantly um, schools that had uh, uh, that were predominantly black and Latino. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we had white teachers and they were always cool and they were always down. So we we're like, okay. But I didn't realize how much they actually sheltered and protected me from the reality of things um, until I went to college. Um, and I went to college at Northeastern University. So um, no, no, no design school. <laughs> um, and I went to Northeastern because I got a full ride there. Um, I always did really well in school because I was well aware that education was going to be the thing that got me out of my parents' household. They were very strict growing up. Um, they held me 
to a pretty high standard. Um, I remember bringing home like a 92 and my dad being like, in math, you know, algebra, my dad being like, what happened to the other eight points? You didn't want that? And I was like, what is that supposed to mean? And I used to resent him for that. And I never really knew what he was, the lesson that he was teaching me until I'm, until now, um, which was, he's like, you're always going to have to be the best because even, and you have to make sure that you have everything covered because you don't want anyone to neg you on something that you overlooked and that you could have controlled. So over-preparing quite a bit. Um, and so I always, that, that was just me, like super OCD, super over-preparing, um, studying, you know, giving up my giving up my social life just to make it out. And so when I made it to Northeastern, um, as a part of a scholarship program, this was their marketing message. And no one knew design then. And I used to read the message and pick apart every word because I knew what it painted visually for someone who read that. And it said something that these students come, these are low-income students that come from under-resourced communities and we've given them a chance here. And I'm just like, you just wiped out like every bit of work, every hard work, every hour, every sacrifice, yeah. everything that I've done to get to this point has been wiped away in a single sentence. Everything about my identity, I'm talking about the low income part. I didn't know I was poor until someone told me that or until that's what they said to me, or that I came from an under-resourced community because I loved my school. I loved my school, I loved where I came from. And um, I never talked to anyone about this issue until recently um, because my, I couldn't talk to my parents about it because they couldn't understand those concepts. They, they were more along the line with, just be grateful that they gave you a chance. They go along with that narrative and I'm just like, yeah, but what about all the hard work and the stuff that I put into it? Um, you know, yes, you know, you chose me, but I made something of myself um, as well. And that's being lost from the conversation. There's a reason you chose me. Exactly, exactly. Um, but they paint it as the wrong reason. Right, exactly. So um, I was quite the punk in college. Like I was good at my major and I was like whatever I'm going to do behavior neuroscience because I already have most of these credits I'm just going to graduate really fast just behavioral neuroscience <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah it's kind of ridiculous to, MBD I, yeah it was kind of I should say it's kind of a big deal because it's like um, I knew I wasn't I already said I, MBD you can't say it's a big deal no no no, no. Listen, deal, listen 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 it's though it's kind of a big deal it's kind of it's because I was I'm you just because I tell you I have the degree now you're assuming that I'm like super smart and everything and I'm like no that I I worked really hard to earn that degree as a way to shield and protect myself from potentially people projecting different stereotypes onto me even though that I know that I did not want to do science I wanted to major in photography that's sort and, of fucked up yeah and the things not that, you, that have, you did that but that you felt forced to do yeah that. and um and so it was really weird um and i worked really fucking hard to really get that degree and 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 um and i was it, to get that degree into with honors because i had graduated with honors i was like oh i gotta get this honor because if i don't then my parents are gonna be like you're a loser you're a failure and i'm like oh god so weird crazy kind of parents your parents sound cool <laughs> yeah no they're sweet people they really are um it's just that some of the expectations that they put onto me they're just not really certain of how heavy they actually are 
um, and how much of a burden it could be in terms of self-love. Um, and so I graduated from school in three and a half years and I bought a one-way ticket to San Francisco. And I was gonna be here for a year to uh, back, the, this was 2009, to um, check out life. Um, is what my mentor at the time at Harvard had said to me in the neurogenetics lab that, no, sorry, the cognitive neuroscience lab that I was at, at uh, Children's Hospital Boston. And she's like, you know, I know you want to get a PhD, but like, you should probably chill and like, go get some perspective and then figure this shit out because you just turned 22. And I was like, no, I know this is what I want to do. This is definitive. This is my identity. This is who I'm going to be for the rest of my life. And um, that was the best advice that she could have given me. And um, Margaret, yay, love you. Still love her. She's so awesome. She And she was a white woman that gave me that advice um, to a black woman. And I was like, okay, that's cool. I'm like, if you're, and at the time, again, I'm not aware of my race really entirely because I've kind of put that in the back of my mind. I'm kind of just like, oh, she's a woman. I'm a woman. So if she's giving me this advice, this might be a good advice because there's not enough women in science either. Um, so I came out here. And um, fell in love with San Francisco, and I didn't know how cool the world could really be. Why did you choose San Francisco? Eeny, meeny, miny, mo landed me there. Got it. Okay. Yeah. There wasn't anything in particular that drew Nothing you. in particular um, that, that I would probably mention. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, if you must know, um, I was going to move out here with my boyfriend at the time. And I just, I don't, I don't want to, you know, crap on him or anything, but I'm just kind of like, I didn't let my fear hold me back. And so I did it and he didn't. Wait. Like, so I'm, so we, we didn't have jobs here. Um, I, uh, we said, Hey, we're going to go to San Francisco. We want to leave Boston together. And he's like, okay. And I was like, I'm going to do it. You save this much. I'll save this much and we'll just go. And I saved it and I did it and he didn't come. But I was just kind of like, at the time I'm like, dude, come on. Like, what the hell? Like, don't leave me hanging. And I was determined to make it here. Um, and I was like, you know what? Because he was afraid. We didn't have community. We didn't have support. And we didn't know what we were getting ourselves into when we were really young. Um, turned out to be one of the best decisions I've made in my life. Um, because I don't think I would be the person who I am today or, or know the things that I do if I hadn't uh, moved here. What did you do when you first got here? Looked for a job on Craigslist. Uh-huh. How about the community part? I found it took me like a year oh, before really? I had good friends. Huh. Okay. So hmm. I. That's interesting. It took me a long time. I was a. Yeah. That's actually something that I hear a lot more of. Um, and I, I want to get back to that. But I knew someone here that um, I had met from my Karma Loop days. And um, we went to a Friday the 13th wedding in Texas. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, and she was like... That's what it sounded like. Super yeah. cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it was like temporary t thir Friday the 13 tattoos all around. Um, cool sweating for real. Um, and so, it's only getting cooler. <laughs> yeah. It was really, really cool. Holy um, shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, yeah, it, it was, yeah. It's so dope. Um, and so she was there and it was literally like, oh, I'm thinking about moving to San Francisco. Oh, yeah? When? This time? Oh, I have a room open up. Okay, sure. You want to live together? All right. Cool. And then I told my mom, and my mom was like, I don't believe you. In her, in her <laughs> accent. She's like, I don't believe you. And I was like, yes, you do. And I was like, I'm doing this. And I was like, Dad, tell her that I'm doing this. And my dad was always my champion. And I was like, come on, Dad, you're on my team. Okay? 
we can take her down together, Dad. And because um, my dad wanted me to just like be happy and just live my life, and uh, and so he convinced my mom. He helped me to convince my mom to let me move here. And um, they gave me the money that they had been saving ever since I started working. Like when I was 14, my mom would be like, give me your paycheck. And she saved it. And I bought my plane ticket. I sent it a deposit. And I was like, I got a ticket. And I have a, I have a room. And we didn't hug because she thought I was coming back. And I didn't. Um, and I came out here. And luckily enough, because I knew that one person um, – and I was also in the art and uh, fashion kind of scene in Boston. We had some mutual connection here, like some of the streetwear brands, um, clothing lines were out here. So I immediately f- fell into a community of people, of like all cool creatives. And they have been my support system and they still are that way. Um, yeah, it's just falling in love with falling in love with people because of their interests. Were you trying to do behavioral neuro? neuroscience at the time no You'd moved not on? really what, no. what were you looking I, to do i was i was i was looking to do something that was in that field because i felt like the pressure to have to use my degree <laughs> yes yeah, um, yeah. and so i did and that was fun but it wasn't the neuroscience that was attractive to me it was the fact that i was doing neuromarketing research and we were looking um we were collecting EEG, like brainwaves and eye tracking data on how people subconsciously responded to marketing materials. Wait, what? Real spooky stuff. I, what did you find? Um, <laughs> how fallible the human mind is. Yeah, there was like, the, well, certainly the human, the female brain and the male brain operate entirely different and how you would design for them subconsciously is like, yeah, like the photography and how you use photography, like women tend to look at... Um, the model, the person's eyes to communicate their emotion, to try to assess their emotional states. Yeah. And then... And then I, I, I didn't go that far into like <laughs> figuring that much. Not and I was that. like, it was more like me equipping myself, equipping myself with uh, tactics to prevent myself from being marketed that way. Because I thought it was cool what I was doing, but it was also like, so are we not really in control of what we buy? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's no, not fun. No eye contact. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yes, no eye contact. Um, And so, but that job, in that job, because I was exposed to quite a bit of marketing um, work and sometime at at one point we had like a few uh, tech companies that were in there, like we were assessing their UI for stickiness. Like how can we make it more attractive subconsciously without the user actually knowing that um, we wanted them to land there? Um. And in that role, while, you know, while kind of collecting those, uh, kind of just leading those studies around the, in the country, I also had the opportunity to travel outside the country. So I stayed there because I got to travel for free. Nice. And I got to live in uh, Tokyo for a few weeks. I call it live because I was, that project was like there for two months. Um, And I got to go everywhere like i went to south africa i went to india i went to ukraine romania you know amongst um mexico city and buenos aires and uh australia and i was like this job gets i get paid to do this and it was so cool because i started seeing things that i liked and things i didn't like and specifically visual stuff and that stuff i just kept on bringing those things back 
And um, I didn't know it at the time, but I was building my own inspiration kind of collection, like the things that I wanted to rip off and produce. Um, and so I, I, so that's what that job did for me. And once we got acquired, um, I had to start, I'm like, okay, so now what, what do we do? What do I do? And um, I knew I was curious about people and I knew I wanted to make things with my hands because that's the thing that I always loved doing, but never was encouraged to do it because it wasn't safe. Tissue paper art. So just make people. Make people. Oh, make yeah. people. No. Oh my God. That could totally be like some weird sci-fi movie. And this mad scientist <laughs> is making people and shipping them out. You don't know which one's real and which one's Iterate, not. damn it. Um, I kind of feel like AI is kind of getting to that point though. Mm-hmm. Um, this How is, sassy should our chatbot be? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, the personality that they give it can tell a lot about a creator. Uh-huh. I'm always like, if once they colonize Mars, I wonder what culture is going to be on Mars. What kind of food's going to be there? What kind of language? Music. Who gets there first, right? Yeah, who gets there first? Who gets to go? And who has who gets stuck with the shitty planet? <laughs> no offense, Earth. <laughs> no offense, Earth. You were okay. You have the shitty planet with all the water and oxygen yeah. shit. <laughs> Stupid planet. <laughs> yeah. It's not even hot there. <laughs> yeah. So what did you do? Um... To bridge the, the your company was acquired. Yeah, it was acquired. So I took a couple of um, just get by, pay rent kind of job mm-hmm. while I figure out what it was that I wanted to do. Um, and I volunteered at the Children's Creativity Museum because I was still interested in neuroscience, but I knew I wanted to do like more creative work because all my friends around me were creating stuff, and I was so jealous. And I was like, "Damn, they're making all these cool stuff. I can make this stuff too." That's over at Yerba Buena, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, and then I saw what the kids got to make at Yerba Buena in the Creative Museum Lab. I was like, what? They can make their own music video? Screw this. I'm not helping the kids. I'm making my own video. <laughs> I'm enrolling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, I, and then I got so obsessed. Like once I saw there was, this is how these things that I wanted to do were being created, I just started teaching myself everything that I possibly could. But going back to our first point about identity, I was very nervous to let go of that neuroscience background because I worked so hard and I knew what it meant and it meant taking off my safety blanket (laughs) um, to pursue a creative career. Um, One that, you know, typical immigrant parents, they want stability for their kids in the career that might be quote unquote unstable. And so I took off that blanket not entirely. I kind of loosened it up, but not all of it, though. <laughs> it's draped over one shoulder. It, yeah. it became a safe-ish blanket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was there anything that you did that was yeah. particularly helpful to move that? Yeah, I um, began taking some classes at General Assembly in 2013. Okay. Yeah. A couple of questions, like, specifically around user research. And I was like, what is the user researcher? And just studying, reading, all these things. I was like, oh, what do they do? What do, they, what do their life look like? Hmm, do they have these things? So I started doing all of that. And then on a backpacking trip with uh, some of my friends up north, um, Desolation Island or something like that, a wilderness somewhere. They all look the same to me. It was on a rock somewhere. And I had this epiphany. I was like, I'm going to go back and I'm going to learn design and I'm going to be good at it so I can make a lot of money so I can throw parties for my friends. Sorry, strong that is, move, strong move. It's it's totally not a, a very intelligent answer to give you, but I it's want friends like true. you. <laughs> um, it's true, and and if actually if you meet any of my friends, they'd probably be like, yeah, Mel's parties are pretty awesome, and um, 
Because humble I humble brag. I'm glad we <laughs> know each other now. <clears throat> yeah, I love them and I love doing things for them. Um, and I wanted to give them that gift because I had transparency on how the other side was living. And I couldn't get it out of my head. And I was like, why am I being shut out out of that? And I don't want, and they don't even know that they're being shut out of that. So I want to be that bridge for them. And um, I enrolled in a eight weeks uh, general assembly or 10 week part-time course at night. And this is when they first started out. And um, yeah, I basically threw myself into design for those that period um everything that was design i was consuming eating digesting it eat breathe sleep design 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 and yeah like eat make love yeah 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 (laughs) totally on repeat every day every day every day and um even today that is still what i'm doing as a designer like if there if it is out there i am going to consume it and master it and live and breathe it um because i want this so bad that i'm willing to give up my free time and sleep to do this thing um because i want it and i know and but i also have respect for designers and their path to get getting there so i want to be respectful of um i don't want to use the word position but i kind of like of that, that, hi, I just want, I want you guys to let me be part of your community, you know, because I have so much respect and like for education and the fact that designers have to put themselves to the school and um, work their, their way up, or at least that's how, you know, because that's my experience. So I assume that that would be the experience for them, for those designers as well. And I'm just like, oh my God, I don't want to step on anyone's toe. Like, and I'm, and, and, I, f- I still feel very insecure to offer my design opinion on things. If it's a designer who's like had that traditional background and has that year of experience, so I'm I'm a little bit hesitant, so I hold back on those. Um, they got that high quality design education instead of my n- piddly neuroscience education. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was that like for you to look at this community and say, "I want to be a part of that"? Like, did, have you found? How have you defined the design community yeah. to be inviting to that yeah. mentality or is it? Um, sometimes, I wonder sometimes if designers get the respect that they deserve. What do you mean? What I mean by that, I'm like, um, especially in Silicon Valley, because most designers um, or used traditionally design meant graphic design and you weren't coding. And so much of, um, but I don't know if that's actually true or if that's just me uh, operating from my culture as like, because my family would be like, you know, design is... The prettiness. It's not so much as a prettiness. It's like, I don't know about this thing design, but engineer is stable and safe and secure. It doesn't sound as... <laughs> I still crack up when people call developers engineers because engineers have to go through like certification and stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like see? civic engineers are a very different thing. Yeah. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> but... Yeah, so it was easy to become part of the community if you found the community. Mm. And I found the community on Behance. So mm. that was just creating an online portfolio so that they can find me. Did it take a long time? No, I was still enrolled in GA when um, Telenav actually reached out to me. And I was so impressed and that they were like willing to give me a chance. 
and I and and that's where the flaw in thinking is, which I'm trying to rewire my brain. This this idea of giving a chance rather than you earned it exactly. That's how I felt with my first job too out here. Like, yeah, I was like, oh my god, this company. Like, I don't care what they do, but like they'll give me the opportunity to work with people like who are doing yeah. the thing I want to do. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I was like, oh my gosh, like um, I I I. I guess I better take this because they're the first one. They're the first one who got to me, you know, and they, they, and, um, there were others, but I get there and I had been learning all these skills out of order. <laughs> um, like negotiating was a skill that I'm like, I don't know. I re- keep on reading all these articles about negotiating and people are, are seem to, to write a lot about these things. So I think maybe I should focus on getting my negotiation skills up there. <laughs> so I did. Uh-huh. And, um, it wasn't very hard for me to negotiate because if I want something, um, I'm very clear <laughs> about what it is that I want. No. Uh, <laughs> so, so this happens and I'm like, okay, thank you for the opportunity. That was the professional meal. I put down that phone and I picked it up and I was like, holy shit. Oh my God. I totally got my way. And I called my mom and I was like, guess what? And I'm telling her about this. And she's like, again, and and, and my mom's a lovely person. I love her. But she was like, what did you do to to say to convince them to pay you that much? Because I've never heard of that happening before. So the salaries that we have here, unthinkable. Yes, absolutely. They're unthinkable. So like my mom worked three jobs and barely made over, you know, I mean, we made... A little bit off of like, I want to say like, maybe this is big, probably 65,000. And there was, she, there's four of us and my dad and then my grandparents lived with me and my dad wasn't working. So I'm kind of like, she worked a really hard life. And so I kind of felt a shame of that too. Um, you feel guilty a little bit. Yeah. Because you're like, damn. I didn't work that hard. Yeah. And you're working with like your body and your, and, um, and I can imagine how hard it must have been to like know that you have all these amazing talents and gifts inside of you, but given the context, um, you're making all these sacrifices and predominantly you're sacrificing the things that you want for yourself for others. You had to be pragmatic. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so instead of idealistic. Exactly. And so and she and, and I come from a family of strong black women and they are strong and i grew up like that um taking that burden onto myself always being responsible for um the well-being of others before myself um and that was that was tough for me to learn that i wasn't doing enough of that for myself um because i thought i was and then I realized, no, I wasn't. I've actually never had to. Um, because now that I'm doing it, it's kind of difficult to work through some of those things. Um, so, you know, having seen my mom be that tough. Um, and, you know, when I came out here, I hustled too, like, to get to get what I needed to do done so I can continue this life where I was continuously every day here in San Francisco, I'm discovering something new about myself every single day because everything here is different from what I know. Um, That kind of self-knowledge, the self-awareness there, mm -hmm. like just to realize that you're learning something new about yourself Mm -hmm. constantly is like, Mm -hmm. 
that's rare in itself. Yeah. It's super valuable. Yeah. Um, Let's keep going. So what did you do after GA? That was a 10 week? So after GA, I took the, I was offered a lead interaction designer at uh, Telnav. So doing mobile product design um, and also leading the team there through uh, user research. Um, so I was a hybrid designer and I was very much cutthroat. Yeah. How many designers were there? There were 11. They At, at one point, our team was really large. Um, from general assembly into a lead role. Yeah. How did that feel for you? Um, fake. As someone who's very self-aware. like Totally fake. Um, isn't that stressful? We have these titles that are like kind of yeah. unrelated to what we're actually doing yeah. all the time. Well. It's more related to our pay grade than anything. Yeah. And I didn't really know. I was like a lead interaction. I remember being impressed with that that kind of title myself. And then I was just like, okay, that's cool. Whatever. That's what do they want to call I'll be a lid. <laughs> yeah. I was like, whatever. <laughs> Not really knowing what I was getting myself into and what that role oh, meant. Lid. Yeah. yeah, insane now that I think about it. Um, but thank you for giving me that offer. Um, <laughs> thank you anyways. Yeah, yeah of course. You're so say thank this you. is something like I was hired as head of design at Sidewire. And that meant nothing because I was the only designer. Yeah. But they're like, well, eventually this would be like a VP of design role or something like that. I'm like, yeah, but like four years down the road, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, okay, well, I'll call myself a designer publicly. But <laughs> okay, yeah. sounds good. <laughs> um, I remember, though, in that role... I would always watch for when um, someone would walk over to the UX design team area and I'd watch my boss introduce everyone and wait, secretly wait till he gets to me. I'm like, go ahead. Let me see if you acknowledge me by the thing that I want to be acknowledged by. And he would always give everyone like visual designer um, for this product, this thing for that product, blah, 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 blah. Then he would get to me and I was like, come on. <laughs> say and it. And I'm like, I'm like, say it. What you going to say? <laughs> And he would always say, oh, she's a hybrid kind of a designer. And I was like, and I was like, no, I am a designer. She's like, no, she does a little bit of research and a little bit of design. She's, she's, she's what we call a hybrid designer. Um, And she, and she, and she, and she is, uh, what was the world? Uh, A shared resource. So I was a shared resource among the company. That's irritating. I know. And I, and I was like, didn't really quite knew what the shared resources were. And a lot of that was because um, I, I was I was new to that environment and I didn't have anyone to educate me about what any of these vocabulary, these new words I, I was learning every day and secretly keeping a list of and Googling at night uh, meant. And that went on for a really long time. Um, How did you handle that internally? Uh, I didn't handle it very well. <laughs> I didn't handle it really well. Um so I was used to this formula of I'm I'm not good here, okay, or, or, or somehow feeling like I'm not good here, so I'm going to go home and study it and practice it and master it. Um, I always tell people, like, in the beginning, you asked me how I would describe myself. I'm that little girl that is dancing furiously in front of that mirror and mastering that routine. That's me. And then, but no one knows that I'm doing this. And then I come on stage Beyonce just came on out. <laughs> hey. And just like that. Like, because I. Melianse? Yeah. Yeah. Like, Melianse. Like, totally. Like, I mean, I would never let anyone know what I was up to because I, I was afraid that someone was going to stop me before I can even get my start. And I was like, no, 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 no. I don't want no outside influence or um, negativity. I know this is what I want. And I'm doing it. And so that's what I did at night. 
Well, well, okay, so I did this at night, and I don't think he was aware that I was doing that, my boss at the time. Was that through side projects or? No, that was me, Skillshare, going to general assembly classes, going to design meetups. And he would say, don't go to those things. Those things are not to, meant to educate you. Those things were meant to recruit you. And I'm like, I'm not going to leave you if, you, that's, if that's what you're worried, right? Because I'm, I feel indebted because he's taken a, ch- a quote unquote a chance on me. Um, and so I was like, no, don't worry. I can master, I can, I can deal with this. And, and I did. I, I was always aware that those were recruiting events. So I went there to figure out what information I could get from whoever was speaking. And I would go home and I'm like, okay, process this information. How am I going to apply it to the next day? Like that was me. And um, so I, I, so that's when I met my fabulous, amazing, like, oh my God, he's so, 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 so such a gift. Um, my boyfriend um, and he's a designer as well. Um, and he is a white and Chilean male from Amsterdam. And then huh. he showed me what design was. Blew my mind. What do you mean? Um, up until then, uh, um, what I was doing at Telenav was more like kind of problem solving, like interaction flows, and not really seeing the, the whole process, like seeing bits and parts. Like we were still trying to figure out our workflow and how to get projects built right. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of process things that Telenav yeah. was missing. So when I met uh, Ren, he was a designer and the, C- and the CEO of Human, which is a fitness tracking, a passive fitness tracking app. And um, and so I was like, okay, you're a designer. And he's like, yeah. And um, full disclosure, we met on Tinder and my profile thing is like, I, I, I make things for other people. <laughs> and he's like, what does that mean? And he, you know, icebreaker, like, what does that mean? And I was like, it means that I'm this. And I'm totally like so standoffish at this point. And I was like, it totally it means that I do this. And he's like, oh, that's cool. Well, I do that too. And I was like, oh, really? Okay. Tell me more. Tell me more. So then we start talking and um, I realized that this person thinks about design in the same way that I do. as, And he believes in the power of design to solve problems. Um, the ability to solve problems, I should say that. And um, I also should... Stop saying what I should say and just say what the fuck I meant. <laughs> and so uh, he, uh, we started talking and we spent like that entire weekend just walking around San Francisco and um, learning, just talking design, like people that ideas that we believed and things that we disagreed with and process. And I mean, he's he's been doing design since he was small, like really, really small, like traditional, like Dutch designer, you know? <laughs> ah, yes. Yeah. The traditional yeah. Dutch designer. And um, so it was so cool. Like, and he would help me out with some of my designs at home. Um, and he'd be like, you know, give me that feedback. And I'm like, no, but I'm trying to do this thing. He's like, well, then you should do this and teach me new design techniques and stuff like that. And um, so he's been a big educator for me there. But yeah, I continue to follow this kind of path and allowing myself to go a little bit deeper because you can always stay in that beginner expert stage. Um, And so I kept on going a little bit deeper and trying out different tools. Um, He actually taught me um, sketch Mm -hmm. Um, because before that I was using like Illustrator um, and not- Illustrator's way harder. Yeah, but I (laughs) I actually learned Illustrator. I, I hate to admit this, but I learned Illustrator on the job. So my environment was supporting. Um, initially, when I first started, they knew that I was very junior and I could grow into that. But um, 
Yeah. And I am now I feel comfortable enough with if that had given me that time. I'm like, yeah, I'm totally that. But yeah, I had learned Illustrator on the job because at General Assembly, I learned OmniGraffle mm-hmm. and Keynote. Um, and Keynote was good. So I loved Keynote better. But um, so anyways, I go all the way. So he introduces me to Sketch. And I'm like, this is great. This is so intuitive. R makes R, R, the shortcut R makes sense. Yeah. R, I need a rectangle or, you know, whatever. And I went to work the next day. And um, well, after that, yeah, it was a weekend. So Sunday and Monday. And you know what? I convinced that entire design team to switch over to sketch and everyone's in one like, day <laughs> oh I, I mean i was racing with i, I my, my my boss at the time he was like oh no sketching this sketching that and i was like all right whatever so you want to compete let's do some production work real fast and see who can get it done faster <laughs> time trials go yeah so that's what we did we come and i was like see i've already done all this and build the styles and you can just update it like this and he's like and I was like, okay, so now I'm going to teach everyone else how to do that. And so that I was win. my gift. Yeah. So that was my gift to the design team there was um, I taught everyone how to use Sketch. And um, that was really fun. And that was like, and our process became a lot smoother. And I was like, look at all these plugins. We don't have to spec at work. Hello, spec. <laughs> Done. You hey. know? And yeah. Um, and so that was, that was so, that was, that felt good to do, the, give that back for the team because it meant that we can spend less time doing the not so fun creative work. The tedious bits. Yeah. And really getting, and then spending more time in the creative process and really um, exploring our solutions to its fullest potentials. Um, so this is the thing that really excites me about automating work. Like people always talk about like uh, AI in design, like it taking over work. Like this is the work I could do. Mm-hmm. It'll take, it'll eat up the bottom end. So we can work on harder problems. Right. Right. Like exactly. that's such a cool thing. That's our argument for style guides. And I think people worry like, well, I'm not going to be able to be creative if I have a style guide. It's like, no, the style guide kind of takes care of the bottom stuff of shit you don't really need to worry about and then mm-hmm. you can be creative on top of that. Yeah, there's no more picking fonts, there's no more yeah. picking out base colors and right. shit. Like, right. it gets out of your way, Yeah, right? Yeah, and you just have a kit. You just have, you essentially, if it's a great design team and you love the design, it's like a playground. Like, I could take all these things off the shelves and assemble them and make a mess? Okay. <laughs> like, that's how excited. Like, well, when the I goal see, is to not make a mess. Well, not make a mess, but make something cool. But I mean, like, yeah, it's yeah. not a mess, but it's like, explore it. I know right? Mean. And see what you can build with it. Because um, in my home, in my house that I share with my boyfriend, um, we spent a really long time designing the perfect space, the perfect space for us, for whoever comes by, for our family, uh, whoever watches our house. I mean, we spent a long time doing that because I wanted to feel super freaking comfortable in my place. In it's my sanctuary. I get to be my most rawest form here and I don't have to be perfect. And so, and that to me, the most ideal design house is super freaking organized and everything has its home because I hate messes. Like I hate mess and I'm always cleaning because I don't want to have to really think about like a massive cleaning thing. I'm just kind of like always optimizing for free time, me time, creative time. So what did you do next? You you taught your team sketch. Yeah. So after I taught my team sketch, um, you taught them uh, Figma. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I, that's probably next. Um, 
And uh, so after that, it was Christmas time, and my boyfriend was going back home to Amsterdam, uh, a little bit outside of Amsterdam, though. Um, and so he was like, hey, do you want to come with me? And I was like, yes, I can't be away from you. And so I went, and I spent three weeks in Amsterdam with him. And I was like, and before we got there, he was telling me about Wim Kraut and Stedelijk Museum, all, everything Dutch and amazing, like cheese, yes, cheese, um, canals, um, those romantic canals and sceneries um, and bikes. Um, and I went there. God damn, my mind was fucking blown. I thought, I thought, I was like, America's stupid. <laughs> you thought San Francisco was perfect. Yeah. And I was like, why do we put out shit design when these people here think about everything? <laughs> They've designed and a better And I started stealing, yeah. Everything Amster, I could. damn it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so, um, pr- like, specifically really cute Swiss strong uh, design that had bright, strong colors, that awesome, amazing, well, not strong colors, I should say awesome color palettes, awesome typography. Anything that was sexy and looked good and worked good, I was taking it home. What do you mean me. sexy? Sexy, like, I could stare at this forever and never get bored and never want to change the screen sexy. I saw a tweet today from I Daniel I saw the Hooper, same tweet, too. Oh. The guy who created Principal, and he's, he, he asked people to stop calling design sexy, and I've, I've been thinking about that all day. Mm. I think it's not sexy in the way you think of yeah, sex. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's, like, uh... It's, then is that the right word to describe ooh, it? Oh, you know yeah, what? No, sure it appreciation. Is. It's weird because you know when something is so... Okay, maybe there's, maybe there's no more for it, but maybe it's more like, you know when something is so... I don't know, the the blank that you can't t- look away and you're That's like... That's like a primitive thing, right? Yes. It's so like instinctual and you're like, I can't look away because I'm so at awe and I'm just like, this is like the... the and your mind's like going like... And you're like on a crazy spacey trip and you're just like, oh my God, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Like, who did this? Where can I find this person? Because I just want to tell them that this is so amazing. Um, and when I actually got first started out with uh, design, um, I looked for designers who kind of had similar backgrounds like mine. So John Maida was a big role model for me, um, like a big inspiration. Um, I watched everything he did and I, and I was like, yes, I agree with this man. You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. And um, one day while, while I was still at Telnav walking to work, he was at a cafe like 7.30. I did like a two-hour commute every day, so round trip four, four hours down at Telnav. And I saw John Maida. And I was like, <laughs> mind my own business. Hey, Bridget, let me get my coffee, you know, get pastry. Turn her over. And I see John Maida. I was like, oh, Lord Jesus. Take the wheel because <laughs> I can't do this right now. It's too early. And you know what? I turned the hell back around. And I looked at the wall first. I looked at the wall for a second. I was like, no, I have to do this. And I was like, but I have to get a picture. I have to take a photo. I have to take a photo because no one's going to believe me. No one's going to believe me. So I got my, 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 evident, my evidence and I was like, snap, posted it Instagram. <laughs> and I go up to John Maida and um, he was interviewing. And I bet you the reporter probably was like, did you plan this shit? Because how is somebody going to come up to you and just say like, I love your work? It was an interview about fame. Exactly. Um, and well, he had just came to, he was just announced like John partner. John made at, it. It's more like it. Uh, yeah. Well, he was just like made it. Uh, he had just moved to, to KPCB. KPCB. Yeah. And so I went up to him and I was like, I'm sorry. I know you're in the middle of the interview, but I just love your work. Felt like you should know that. You have a great day. And then left because I was Aww, like. That's a good compliment. Yeah. But 
I totally, I mean, and then I, of course I post the a photo on Instagram and, um, no, you know, some of the people back that were following didn't really know who he was. Um, they were like, who is he? And I was like, this guy. And like a couple months before that, I had attended a show, uh, well, a talk that John Maida had done, um, in like a furniture store kind of in Soma. And I was all it's getting weirder. Yeah. It was weird. Um, sorry. But anyways, he was, I was all the way in the back in the room and then to have him like in arm's reach that kind of was like really cool for me like i was way way in the back couldn't even see the screen who are some of your other role models right now um some of my other role models right now um i have a few people that i like but my my role models right now it means something different to me right now it means um more of who do i want to be when i'm not designing Mm -hmm. like so I have... I think that's important, by the way. Yeah, I have a few women that um, totally like rock my core there. And I'm like, dang. Who yes. are they? Yeah, can you share names? If you're, uh, you're building up so strongly. We can... Yeah. Just so we can link to them and share it with you. Okay, people. so um, I didn't think I was... I, I don't even think I've told them this. So maybe that's probably why I'm a little nice. hesitant. So this is going to be your first time hearing this. And um, I hope it's okay, but... Um, Phaedra Ellis, who is head of care at Honor, um, she's new in, in tech. Um, prior to that, she was at Green for All, which is a nonprofit in Oakland, um, you know, around green energy. Um, she's just a real badass. She's real awesome. And I'm, I remember the first time I saw her and spoke to her and I was like, oh, dang, this girl speaks my language here in San Francisco. And you're like... You're you you're like on top of your shit, and I was like stunned, 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 and I was just like she's, she's awesome, and it wasn't until last weekend that uh, so she's Ren's coworker. It wasn't until last weekend that we were invited over to her home that kind of was just like want to be like you when I grow up, like flat out just want to be like you when I grow up as a person. Um, I know her, that feeling very well. I want to yeah, be like you when I grow up. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, she had all of these young, impressionable black little girls around her and her family, uh, blossoming women. And um, Phaedra, when you meet her, she's authentically herself. And um, it's and that's so inspiring. So there's all these little girls around her. And Phaedra has achieved so many amazing and wonderful things. And I remember being 14 and having one person in my family who was that. And that was my cousin who is the reason why I went to college um, in the first place. Or, you know, and, um, well, considered it at least. Um, so Phaedra, I think what she does, she's who she is and how she moves in the world is alone so inspiring to these young women. Like she loves herself and she's good at what she does. And she is herself day in and day out. And she doesn't give a damn about how that makes anyone feels because she knows that it feels good to her to be that herself. And she teaches these, uh, she she passes this wisdom and ideas down to these young girls. And for me, I learned to speak up and advocate for myself very quickly and early on because my aunts and my mother always advocated for their needs. And I haven't had that in my adult life. And so that, she's one example there. Um, I want to come back to that, by the way. Yeah. And the other person is Felicia Horowitz, which is Ben Horowitz's wife. Um, 
uh, and Brent from A16Z. But um, I've met her once, but it was while reading Ben's book, The Hard Things, the hard things About Hard Things, that I really kind of got a better sense of who Felicia was and what it meant to be a supportive partner, um, what it meant to be strong, uh, to make sacrifices so that the unit, right, can do well. Um, and that's hard, you know, like, uh, it's very easy to assume that it's easy to make it here, you know, from what the, at least for my point of view and from what the media says, like, oh, look, this guy just made Facebook in his dorm. Boom, everyone can do that. And I'm just kind of like, no, that's not true. And I know that's not true for white males either. Mm-hmm. And so the way in which she supported her husband through while he was at his company um, before, I think he, before Ben was a VC, is so fucking dope. Well, Ben did uh, Mozilla, right? Uh, no, um, Andreessen. Mosaic? I, the browser? That was Mark Andreessen. Oh. Yeah, there was another like uh, data company that he was a part of. Um, I don't know where, it was early on, like kind of in, in his chapter, but um, yeah, like Ben's book pretty much um, opened up my eyes and uh, then I became super, you know, once he got in my radar, I just kind of consumed everything he was yeah. posting and she was sharing. And it was so cool because I was like, dang, this woman. And then like Ben actually shares a story in his book. If he can share, I can say here. Well, he's like, <laughs> he was set up on a blind date with her and she totally iced him. Like she was like, <laughs> didn't show, like, I think she, she was trying to cancel it. And in the book, um, he was like, yeah, she was canceling. And then after she was like, oh, I got to take a nap or something before the date. And then eventually she was like, okay, fine, whatever, I'll, I'll, I'll show up. And she showed up and then she was like, just, I'm myself. I don't care like who you is, right? And I think that was so cool because I'm like, damn, if she was like that in the beginning of the relationship, I wonder what she's <laughs> like right now. Even, um, more even though after you, you've, you've made it, like, is she still herself? And from what I saw um, from, you know, just watching her and this type of stuff that she shares online, I think she is that. I think she's very much is that person, that strong black woman. And so that's important for me to have that. Um, but uh, perhaps the third, I don't know, I'm still trying to figure out what a, a, a design role model to me, to me looks like. So I, I, can, I can name a couple of people that I admire their work visually and also the quality of the solutions that's, that, that they put out in the world. Um, and then I can also look at it from a leadership point of view. Right. Um, yeah. And then as, yeah, and that and even that means different things. Yeah, and it, not one person has to be all of those things. Exactly, exactly. I, we're running out of time, by Sorry, the way. Guys. I want to just make over. sure. We, yeah, we're over. Um, what's been fascinating listening to you is like this intense focus on authenticity and being yourself. Like mm-hmm. you're focusing on this now and you seems like you look up to these people uh, because they have been able to do that. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious what your experience has been like at, at the companies you've worked at and living in San Francisco for what? Seven years, yeah. Seven years now. Like, is that possible for you? Is it yourself holding it back? Like, what's been your experience being your true self here in tech as a woman, as a black woman in tech, designing things? Like, It's actually been pretty awesome. I... I, I thought that I was gonna. I thought that I was gonna be reprimanded for being myself, and that was actually wrong. Um, but I, I felt that way because of what I saw online and lack of representation. I'm like, okay, so this has to be the case because this is what it was. So I made a lot of assumptions that I couldn't be myself. 
And the few times that I was myself, which were very, very few, I got burnt. Um, so like, like the few times that I stood up for myself and advocated at the workplace, it was always like reconfirming. I felt like I was confirming some so, uh, these un these unconscious negative bios about black women, like quote unquote, I was angry, um, like that I had an attitude or, um, you know, I was a Debbie Downer and, uh, you know, loud. Um, everything that everything that I was I, I knew I wasn't and I knew that that was not representative. And even if I was upset or frustrated with some things, I felt like that was being I was being withheld from having that. Um, and and like I said, those experiences for me weren't, you know, the the. They were far and few, but when they did happen, they had the impact was enough to make it felt to feel to me at least like it was happening every day. Um, but since I started my uh, initiative front and center to raise awareness and exposure around uh, careers in tech that um, non technical roles, has been it's been amazing ride. Um, it's been so cool and I love it because um, I think what might be obvious to us in the room right now, like design, that's not obvious to some other communities in the in the country. Um, that's definitely true. Yeah. So that has been incredibly awesome. Um, and I feel very warm and welcome here. Um, but, to, but I also feel that um, the design community could do two things. And this is my ask, which is, have a little bit more transparency about the internal moral, moral dilemmas that you struggle with because then we create a space where both parties can participate in a learning conversation. Well, both parties, there's actually a Jewish term for this that I, I read at the Jewish Museum. When you participate in this, this two type of, two people bringing different point of views and different perspectives into the room and what they leave it with is something much better than they could have ever come up with themselves. And so I think transparency more on the business side and what it, it needs to have a successful design team. Um, and also the person can share with you, okay, I'm ready, willing to learn this. I get that your business has these metrics, but can you at least give me some actionable feedback that I can take home and study for like the next six to however long it takes me to master that so I can apply here and have a better shot rather than these kind of like, sorry, answers and that's it. Okay, so to, to clarify, you're saying an ask is that when companies are dealing with prospective designers- That come from diverse backgrounds. come from diverse backgrounds. To not give them this bullshit like, Soft cuddled answer. Soft cuddled answer. Like you want transparent, actionable feedback of how right, you can be better. Right. Because that 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 soft kind of answer might work for some community, but for people who have been socialized their entire lives to deal with hard feedback, I think we kind of expect that honest, blunt truth. And we know that we can do something with that because the world has in life has always been that way to, for us. So that's during the hiring process. But um when the person's actually in the company, spend some time getting to know that person. And what I'm in and specifically, I want to see um, team members have that same love and concern for their users reciprocated with diverse people in the environment. I mean, like we spend so much time trying to figure out what it is our use what our users' needs and motivations and goals are, but we don't spend enough time looking internally within our own organizations to identify the 
needs, you know, hopes, fears of um, diverse candidates, oh, diverse a, employees. Yeah. We spend a lot of time thinking about how it can be easier to get people to click on a thing, mm-hmm. but maybe not how to make our team like inclusive. Right. So that was your first ask. That was my two. It's transparency. Yeah. Um, and then also in the hiring process and then inclusion. Um, so finding out, because it's interesting because I'm always like, it's I'm always like super stoked when I find something that I'm that I share in common with another individual. So, um, and it feels good because now I'm like, yes, we can geek out on this. I thought I was the only one. I'm not. Yes. Um, yeah, I think those are the two things that I would uh, kind of really spend some time digesting and processing if I am in a position to make an impact. Cool. Yeah. One more thing before we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, what keeps you up at night? <sighs> Will I be as free tomorrow as I am in my mind? What do you mean by that? Um, I'm this really awesome person in my head, I think. I think. I don't know. And in my heart. Um, and I want to be that for the world. And I don't want obstacles in the way of me being that person. Self-imposed or external? Both. Both. I can I can manage the ex, the self-imposed part, the external factors. Um, that is up to the other wonderful humans that we share this planet with. That's very optimistic. I believe in human, and I believe in the power of love, um, because I think that's I think that's something that uh, we can do, but we need a lot more people to believe in that. I agree. I think yeah. that's a good place to end. Yeah. Um, thanks for taking the time. Thanks yeah. for coming on. That was super oh. fun. Appreciate it. That was episode 149. Thank you to Melanie for coming and hanging out with us. That was super fun. I love the focus of like spending time building yourself, like working on your own thing. Like that's really cool. So thank you to her for coming and talking about something so personal to us. If you had feedback on this episode or everything we're doing at Spec, hit us up. We're on Twitter at Design Details FM or at Spec FM. Uh, If you want to chat with us in more real time, join our Slack team at spec.fm slash Slack. And of course, check out some of our new open source projects on our GitHub at github.com slash specfm. Yep. We want to build everything in a more open way and we want it to be much more diverse. We are a small team. There's a lot of white dudes. (laughs) We want to make sure that it's accessible to everyone. So that's a, a big goal for us. If you're interested at all, or if you feel hesitant about getting involved, just reach out to one of us. We're happy to help you become a part of it. We'll see you next week.